With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Hey, now live, and welcome to uh, Latest IG Live. We started doing these in March, and uh, last March when, of course, the pandemic was on people's minds, and the economic lockdowns were starting, and it was really scary because the news, of course, and I mentioned this last time, but I'm bringing this up for a reason. The news um, kept saying all these crazy things about how scary uh, the pandemic was. Uh, one newspaper source, I believe it was the New York Times, said there was going to be 140 million deaths. I mentioned this last time, and someone in the comments went crazy saying it was just... This person said, oh, it was all it was all the right wing media lying and the left wing media telling the truth. I don't care about right wing or left wing. Let me just and I've been on I've been on CNBC and MSNBC. I've been on Fox. I've been on left wing, right wing, whatever you want to call it, whatever. First off, you need two wings to fly a plane. So it's not so bad if you're on both wings. I remember one time I remember in the summer, just as an example, when this New York City is Dead article came out. I was on some, uh, I was on both left wing and right wing media, but everybody was criticizing me for being on media that leans towards the right. There's, is there like a party downstairs? Uh, it's our neighbors. Everybody has a party here all the time. What is it with <laughs> parties all the time? So people are having fun. But anyway, someone commented that. Oh, only the left-wing media tells the truth. The right-wing media always lies. And by the way, other people are commenting, oh, only the right-wing media tells the truth and the left-wing media lie. Let me tell you something. They both lie. They are not in the business of telling you the truth. They are not in the business of selling you the truth. They're in the business of selling fear. And so our job, the reason we started doing these IG Lives was to kind of try to look at both sides of a story. You always want to steel man an argument, which means you always want to argue the other side even stronger than the person who's arguing against you. So for instance, I'm against the economic lockdowns. I think the economic lockdowns have not really um, caused that much of, an, of a saving lives, but, uh, but have also caused enormous collateral damage in terms of, uh, you know, hunger, unemployment, um, people dying from other illnesses other than COVID, loneliness, which of course affects the immune system. And these economic lockdowns are ongoing. People's lives are being ruined. I would encourage anybody to just help out a little with charitable efforts and you'll see how many people are actually suffering because of these economic lockdowns. And meanwhile, the amount of lives being saved from less COVID is almost zero. I feel like a year later, we're still talking about COVID, which is a drag, but I'm only going to do this for a few seconds. I just want to explain. Originally, the goals of the economic lockdowns was to flatten the curve. And then they, without telling us, they moved the goalposts and they said, no, 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 no. The goal of the economic lockdowns is to have zero COVID. That, you know, that's never the goal. What are we going to do? Every time there's a disease, we're going to shut down the entire economy until there's a vaccine. That's ridiculous. When people had polio in the 1940s, my mom, for instance, had polio. She couldn't walk uh, as after that for a long time. And even now, it's hard hard for her. So 
they didn't shut down the economy. Maybe they would shut down the school for a few days, but every state's different. Every locality is different. Every variant of this virus is different. We're going to be living with this virus now for a long time with all the different variations. We're getting 140 million people now have gotten the vaccine. That's great. That leads to some sort of herd immunity, I hope, eventually. But now there's new vari variants. There's one in Pakistan. There's one in England. There's one in Brazil. Will the vaccines be good for those? Maybe yes, maybe no. We've talk talked to some epidemiologists. And you know what they said? They said, I don't know. And I wish the media would say, I don't know, a little bit more. But now enough COVID. What I will say is that I don't know is a good response when people are talking and arguing. Too often, and I, 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 too often, we get into conflict because one person believes X and the other person believes the opposite of X. And it's almost like we've lost the ability to have nuance in our lives, that it might not be so clear the answer. And you will have a better life if you're willing to accept the fact, if, if, the, if every time you encounter people arguing or every time you encounter an important decision, if you're willing to accept the fact that a viable answer is, I don't know, what will happen is your brain will start to switch from being sure about something to actually being curious about something and wanting to learn more and, and wanting to learn the nuances because I don't know is, is a much harder answer than, oh yes, well, of course, nobody should ever have, uh, you know, of course, nobody should ever do this again. Nobody should ever take heroin again, or no one should ever, um, have a gun in their house again, or, or no one should ever have an abortion again. It's people are so firm on no one should ever go to war again, which is something I'm guilty of saying. Uh, no one should ever go to college again. Something I'm guilty of saying. I should say, I don't really know that there are nuances. Now that's not as interesting. I remember once being told by CNBC that if you, if you never want to get invited back to CNBC, say the words, I don't know. They don't like it when people say, I don't know. But a good investor, which is what CNBC features, will always say, I don't know. Warren Buffett probably has said, I don't know more than any other investor in history. And he's the best investor in history. So, uh, like, what, what don't you know? A lot. <laughs> like, for instance, take guns, for instance. Like, I don't believe, I will never own a gun. And... There's no reason for me to own a gun. What am I going to do? If someone robs his house, am I going to shoot them and kill them? Like, I would never That's do that. That's the only reason why you have a gun. <clears throat> Some people use them, you know, for sports uh, when they go clay shooting or... Right, okay, but that's... You could also usually rent a gun at the place. But usually the, the, the argument for guns is like someone will go to Texas and say, you know why there's no crime in Texas? Because everyone in Texas carries a gun. And so there's, a, there's this sort of anti-crime aspect of having guns. And now we've recently, though, had a couple of different shootings and, um, you know, the, the, the shooter bought a gun legally. And so then the first instinct is, well, let's just make it illegal. And then he can't buy a gun. But the but but try to find now that sounds reasonable. OK, if it was illegal, maybe he wouldn't have bought a gun. But try to find the I don't know in every situation. So, for instance, let's say, you know, we have four daughters. What's a time when we might have said, I don't know. Or what's the time when maybe we should have said, I don't know, to, to a daughter? Uh, when we want them to make their own choices, maybe. The, their own choices and let them have their own consequences. Sometimes I just... just a little louder, but... Sometimes I say that to them. Even if I do know, I say, I don't know. I want you to make that decision. Yeah, like let's say, this is a hypothetical, this is not happen. But let's say you have a daughter and... She has a boyfriend and she wants the boyfriend to sleep over the house. Do you know the answer or would you say, would, what would you say? Well, it depends on how old she is. Let's say she's 20. Okay. Well, they, and you know that they're going to have sex. Well, they can, he, they, yeah, her boyfriend can save her, but I do not want them in the same room. Because you're, oh, because you're afraid they'll have sex or... Well, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem appropriate. I yeah, guess. okay, so for you, it doesn't seem appropriate for, let's say, this hypothetical daughter. This did not actually happen. Yeah. It might uh, be something they want to do, and then they can argue, hey, would you rather us in a car or in some, 
you know, other dangerous, more, more, less safe situation, less comfortable situation? And the answer is, I honestly don't know. I can have an opinion, but yeah, that's right. It's an opinion, right? So, yeah. right. I mean, after she's twenty-one, I mean, this, she's really an adult. Well, eighteen, she's an adult, but and and let I me don't know. let me ask you a question. I don't know. <laughs> right. And let me ask you a question. I'm asking this for anybody here. Like, put, hit a like or something if this applies to you. How many of you in the past year, since March of 2020, how many have maybe lost friends or close connections or maybe a close connection got a little worse because you shared different opinions? Hit a, hit a like. I mean, uh, right now I'm not seeing any likes, but... Uh, um, I, I agree, Robert. Parents must guide their kids, but but what's a I'll ask you, Robert. Um, what's a situation where, of course, parents should guide their kids, but should you a hundred percent of the time? Do you know everything that's good for your kids? My parents did not know everything that was good for me. I probably don't know, even though I think I know everything that's good for my kids. I probably don't know everything that's good for my kids. Like none of us are perfect parents, we have an argument all the time. And this is describing in detail an argument that Robin and I have had for two years. You're pretty firm about kids should make their own way in the world. And that's a very simplistic way of describing your stance. Well, they should work. They should work. And, and I believe that too. I'm not disagreeing, but I sometimes think parents need, I, I feel like I didn't have anything growing up and I was in a lot of pain all the time. I was going broke. And uh, uh, it was, you know, sometimes I don't want my kids to go through the pain that I went through. So I want them to know that they're always gonna be safe. As much as I'm safe, they're gonna be safe in terms of like money and things like that. But that's and, not helping them. Okay, so tell me your opinion. Well, I mean- Cause, Cause I'm gonna admit, I don't know the know answer. know that you're there because you can be there for them emotionally. Um, and, and they know they can come to you for anything, but by enabling them and, and giving them money, why would they want to work? Like, they've got to feel that sort of pain in the sense that they, if they want something, they need to work for it. So why give them money? Because I think that's, that's really hurting the kids, and it's going to hurt you down the road, because if they don't learn this now, then it's going to be harder for them to learn it later. So it's sort of like the tough love. Of course, we all want to give our kids whatever they want. But you know that that is just not healthy. They've got to feel that, you know, that trigger that, you know, want or that survival mode so that they can actually sur survive like we did. So like you and me. My parents are giving me money. And you are your experiences. So right. it's okay to go through pain. But that's growth. Right, so I agree, but I just remember times when I was, you know, there was a, t like starting around 2001, 2002, 2000 or 2001 was the first time I went really broke. And I had two kids, in 2002, my second kid was born. I had two kids, I was losing my home. There was a point when I literally couldn't afford diapers for my kids. Okay. And, and, I, and all I'm saying is I'm afraid, I, I felt so scared and so depressed and even suicidal, I don't wanna, I can't even picture my my beautiful little children, like now they're not so little anymore, but I can't even picture them going through that kind of fear. But that's and, at a different level though, really. Mm -hmm. That's a different level. You, you were an adult in your 30s, you had two kids, you were married, you had been working. You know, yes, and there's certain cir circumstances that yes, a parent, if you can afford it, okay, you can help the, kid out and, and they can pay you back. But I'm talking about raising kids when they are able to work at 16, 17, 18. You're preparing them so that they can survive in a situation like that because they've already, they've gone through that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, so you want to prepare your kids for life. You want to prepare them to be out in the world. We're not always going to be here. So, we want them to be strong, and the and the way to do it is to teach them while they're young, and then they grow up stronger and stronger. So, so, so let me ask you a question, which I don't know the answer to. Um, somebody requested to be in the video. Um, uh, let me ask you a question, which I don't know the answer of. Let's say you have a lot of money when you die. Do you leave them 
your money in, in your will. Let's say they're 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I, I think that if you have a lot of money, um, you can set it up for as a charity or something and then have them work for the charity. They can actually work for the money. But I think that giving kids just a chunk of money is insane. But that's just my opinion. Well, it's an opinion where, which Warren Buffett agrees with you on, although he has his yeah. own way of... Uh, every time Warren Buffett gives a, uh, a reason for something, there's always a good reason and a real reason. So he'll give the same reason you did about he's giving his kids nothing in his will. But the real thing he's doing is he set a up a $3 billion charity for each kid, mm -hmm. so they're allowed to take up to $90 million a year salary, which I guess for him is equivalent to nothing. But all I'm saying is it's very important that people say, I don't know, because it's very rare that there's two sides to an issue. There's more like 10 sides to every issue. For instance, pro-life or pro-choice. A lot of it, for some people, it depends on religion. For some people, of course, it's a woman's right to choose no matter what. For some people, particularly on the religious side, it depends on when does consciousness develop? When is this a living being? Is it at inception? Is it when a certain uh, stage is reached? And um, there's a lot of noise over there. Lots of parties. And what kind of party is over there? Um, uh, maybe a Passover party? No. Not a Passover party. <laughs> Passover is like more of a somber uh -oh. thing. But, um, but they survived the Passover. I also want to. I also want to tell a story. So, so uh, next week. What day is it today? March twenty second. Next week, in a few days, March thirty first. Uh, I'm releasing a brand new book. Not skip the line, which I released la uh, last month. But this one's called We We Got Answers, and it's a book, a project I did with. Um, Charlemagne the God, who's a, he's been on my podcast, but he's a big radio host. He hosts a TV show, a morning TV show, a radio show called The Breakfast Club. It's got 10 million listeners a day, something like that. And this is a very important example of, you know, I, as you know, I write down 10 ideas a day. So I write them down every day in a waiter's pad like this. Here's some ideas. And I write them in a waiter's pad every day. And, and then sometimes I share my ideas with other people. And people ask me, aren't you afraid people will steal your ideas? And the answer is no. I don't, I'm not afraid people will steal my ideas because let's say someone steals an idea. That, a, that means my idea was a good one. So I like to know that people have validated my ideas. That means I'm an idea machine. And, and the other thing is, it's a very important to have an abundance mindset instead, instead of a scarcity mindset. If you're worried that someone's going to steal your idea, that's the same thing as saying, that's the same thing as saying, I'm only going to have one shot. I'm only going to have one idea. It's like that M&M song. I'm only going to have one shot at success. But the reality is if you have an abundance mindset, you have many, many shots at success. And sharing ideas is the way to actually get opportunities. So I want to describe this, this book project happened, and this might be the best-selling book of the year for all I know, like Audible is putting their full weight behind this book. It's going to be all over the front page of Audible and Amazon, and they're, they're, they're going to spend probably millions of dollars on the marketing. And here's how this project started. Uh, Charlemagne, if you remember, did an, uh, an interview with Joe Biden. And in the interview, um, Joe Biden had to go. And Charlemagne said, uh, hey, we have more questions. And Biden famously said, Listen, if you haven't decided between me and Trump by now, then you ain't black. And, you know, Biden had to apologize for that. No, no harm, no foul. But that that line, um, when Charlemagne said we have uh, questions, that made me think that sounds like a book title. And so I wrote to Charlemagne, who I vaguely knew. He'd been on the podcast once. I wrote to Charlemagne and I said, hey, um, you should write a book called We Have Questions. And I and my idealist for that day was 10 questions I would ask uh, if I was Charlemagne. And Charlemagne wrote back. And so people would say to me, why didn't you write that book? Or why, you know, why did you share? That would have been a good book for me to write. But I'm always interested. I can't do every idea I have. Otherwise, that's 3,000 ideas a year or more because uh, I write 10 ideas a day. Although, to be honest, a little lately, I've been burnt out. I have been writing as many ideas down for the first time in 20 years. But I, I, you know, I didn't want to write the book. 
And so I wrote to so Charlotte. I wrote back to Charlotte and I said, "You, this is a great book for you. You don't need me to write it. You should just write it. This is a good book for you. I have nothing to do with this. I was just interested for you." And you know, if Charlemagne comes on the podcast, which he probably will, to discuss this. We'll go over the story maybe again, but and also what what we learned from doing this project. But anyway, uh, Charlemagne uh, said, "Look, help me outline it a little bit more." So I did. I, I always am eager to help. And so I outlined the idea a little bit more. Uh, he pitched it to Amazon. I helped him pitch it to Amazon. Amazon loved it. Audible, in particular, which is owned by Amazon, and we were, they wanted Charlemagne to do this as an audiobook, where a white person, me, asks questions that I've always wanted to ask about racism and Black Lives Matter and all these things that I was afraid to ask because what would people think of me? Um, I'll ask them to a bunch of African-American leaders, intellectuals, celebrities, whatever that Charlemagne would set up. So I was, I said, fine, that's a great idea, great format. I don't need to be involved at all. And I already had a book coming out. I didn't need to have two books coming out. And more and more though, I kept getting more and more involved. And eventually now the book is, uh, the audiobooks by Charlemagne and me. And it's coming out in a few days and it's gonna be this huge book. And that's how sharing ideas can create these enormous, enormous opportunities. By the way, sometimes they don't create any opportunities. That's okay too. The whole idea is you always wanna share. Think about think about Google for a second. And I've, wrote, I've written about this. I wrote about this in Skip the Line, the Google technique. When you go to Google and say, hey Google, can you please tell me about sexually transmitted diseases? Google says, listen, James, as much as we'd love to help you out, we don't know anything about sexually transmitted diseases. But here are 10, we've done the homework, here are 10 websites that are the best websites you can go to to find out about sexually transmitted diseases. And and Google measures the success by how quickly you leave their website. They literally wanna give you ideas and then, and then never talk to you again. And then, but the next time I wanna find out about, um, you know, uh, uh, colleges or, or, or presidents or whatever, what does Joe Biden stand on taxes? I don't, where do I go? I go back to Google and say, Google, I know you didn't know anything about STDs, but do you know anything about Joe Biden's taxes? And Google will say to me, listen, we don't know anything, but here's 10 sites describing the tax plan that Biden's proposing. And so then I'll go to those. And people think, okay, that's great for a business. They, because that was their strategy, they created a trillion and a half dollar company. But guess what? If you do the same strategy yourself, you might not be worth a trillion and a half dollars, but using that exact approach, you'll be worth a tiny, tiny percentage of that. And a tiny, tiny percentage of a trillion and a half dollars is pretty good. So that's a great example of why you should always share value as much as you can. Even if you think people are stealing your ideas, even if you think you're gonna lose opportunities, you're actually gonna get, Google gain more opportunities than any other company in the history of the world because of that. Pretty cool. Yeah, and then I started thinking, what can I learn? That's what I learned from Google, but what can I learn from other companies? So for instance, Amazon. Let's take a look. I, I realize Amazon's a great company to learn from. Not that, oh, I should sell something online, but think about how Amazon scaled. First off, Amazon was a bookstore, like Jeff Bezos was basically like your small time bookseller. But then he said, oh, how about we'll scale this? And and they started, they became not only a bookstore, but an electronics store, a clothing store, a food store, which I didn't even think you could sell clothes or food online, but Amazon did it. And then they said, how about we scale again? And then, and they said, we have all this infrastructure for selling. How about we let other people use this infrastructure? So they created the Amazon sellers program. Now anybody could sell on Amazon. And then they scaled again. Well, we don't have to just sell um, books and electronics. We can also create TV shows. We're a very high traffic site. What is a TV channel now except a high traffic site? So they started selling TV shows. And then they scaled again. We have all this cloud infrastructure to do all these massive trillion data uh, uh, websites let's sell our entire infrastructure. So they, their most profitable part of their business now is Amazon Web Services. So from Amazon, you can learn that no matter what you do in life, you can scale. So for instance, I used to write articles about stocks 
And then I scaled it. I wrote books about stocks and then I scaled it. I wrote newsletters and courses about stocks and even, you know, other things about stocks. So that's one way to scale a business. Isn't that what Ethereum did? Like they're using their platform for other uh, cryptocurrencies to sort of branch out? Yeah. So Ethereum, Ethereum basically started because first there was Bitcoin and Bitcoin had this software layer called the, the Lightning Network. And but it wasn't really that good. It was hard to program things on top of Bitcoin. Ethereum made it very easy to program things on top of the crypto infrastructure. So Ethereum basically became a scaled version of Bitcoin. And, and then other coins built on top of Ethereum, let's say Filecoin, for instance, built, I think it's built on top of Ethereum. I'm not totally sure, but they could scale to become different. They're, they're like a decentralized Dropbox, but they could scale now to become decentralized other things. Right. So, you know, always think Would whatever you you're doing, you know, scale. So I was talking to someone the other day who had great ideas. So, so, um, this guy, so now I have two people, I'm doing this program called, I will make you a millionaire. Originally I pitched this as a TV show and it was rejected everywhere because no one wanted to take the chance. So I'm doing it using the skip the line techniques for my book. I'm helping 12 different people make a million dollars. And I'm going to document everything along the way and do Zoom calls. And so far, I've selected two people. I'm going to pick 12 ultimately. I've selected two people. Uh, the second one uh, was started last week, J uh, Jason First. He had all these great ideas. He has all these great ideas about the restaurant industry. And then when I said, so what do you want to do with these ideas? He said, well, start a restaurant, of course. But in the chap in, in the book, Skip the Line, I have a chapter called The Spoken Wheel Approach, where you have a wheel. In his case, it's restaurants. But re owning a restaurant is just one spoke. And I said, well, you could take some of your ideas and make software products. You could take some of your ideas and do coaching or consulting. Some of your ideas, you could do a podcast or a newsletter. Some of your ideas, you could do, um, uh, uh, you know, set up a chain of restaurants or again, make a software product to solve this staffing problem that restaurants have or, and on and on. So he had never thought of it this way. It was only our first meeting, but I, we zoomed it and we were zooming all of these and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, share this along the way as, as we do this. And, uh, yeah, so that's, great. yeah. So, uh, anybody, and by the way, I'm still picking the 12. If you, uh, uh, I hope everybody buys the skip, the, skip the line book. I have, uh, some, uh, a lot of like 23 different techniques for how you can basically master anything you want and then monetize it, which is the key. A lot of these, a lot of these self-help books talk about how to monetize things, but they don't tell how to get good at something. It's like, it's like they have this theory that you could be, you know, crap at anything, but still make money off of it. This is not true. That's like scammy. Or they teach you how to learn something, but it's no, it's no good if you're the best writer in the world, but you don't know the industry and you don't know how to monetize it. You have to learn the skills and you have to learn the field. Oh, thanks. Um, Tashiana, uh, you're reading the book and it's amazing. Karen abroad, you said, said you literally stopped reading the book just now to join this IG live. Thank you very much. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, 
While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMSS from now Not on. that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's hims.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. So I want to answer some questions, or we both want to answer some, some questions. And... Ask away, or... I have a question. Yes, ask a question. And then this person also has a question about okay. NFT art. So we're uh, going to do a whole episode on that yeah. next week, but go ahead. No, I mean, I feel like, especially in our family, we're very creative and we come up with these great ideas. The hardest thing for me is execution. Yes. And I, and I feel like, you know, people, I think a lot of creative people, a lot of great ideas, but then to find, you know, that... You know, like Procter and Gamble, they 
they worked well together. They, one was the creative, one was the executive. You know. I did not know that. I should research yeah, Procter and Gamble. I, think so. I, I never think of them. There was a Mr. Proctor and a Mr. I, Gamble. I, well, I think that was. I think so. Or did Proctor I don't just know, gamble? Actually, but it sounds good. But at this point, I'm just. I'm saying that you know, finding a person or people to help you execute. Uh, these great ideas it, it's it's that's a whole nother thing how do you find these people you know like it's just well, what's me, an example package well let's say you want to invent something how, how do you find these companies that can actually build the prototype or how do you you know I mean there's a right, lot right. of things that go along with that that it's All like right. it's easy to come up it's not easy to come up with an idea but when you have an idea like then how, then what do you do? Like, where do you find these? Okay, so so several things. One is, here's, now remember I gave the Google technique, which is how to be a personal Google to create a, to create in your life a small percentage of the trillion and a half dollars in value that Google has created. Well, now what if I wanted to be like a personal LinkedIn? So here's the secret about LinkedIn. When you need something, let's say you have a thousand connections on LinkedIn. You could tell all your connections, hey, I need something. Can any of you guys do this? And the answer is no, usually. Like, they're busy doing things. But it turns out that you get, when people ask questions on LinkedIn, hey, can you guys help me with this? It's not their connections that help them. It's the connections of their connections. So if you, so the key is ask, first off, whenever anyone asks you, can you help me with something? The answer is not no. The answer is no, but right. let me as it seems it's like the opposite of improv, like yes and is improv, uh -huh. um, but no but is the LinkedIn improv, which is no, but I might know people who can do it. So, so. Because I do that. For yeah. instance, for instance, I, um, as, as you know, but I'll tell people here. So I, this whole entire past year, once we started doing all these Zoom calls, I felt like Zoom was not the best platform for podcasters. The, the video quality is low. The audio quality is low. Um, the video, the, the audio quality is only on one side. So if you have a bad internet connection, then I'm not going to hear part of the conversation. So Zoom is great for meetings, but it's not good for podcasts. But it's what's 700 million people use it now since the pandemic started. And it's used mostly for podcasts. And so I decided to create my own software where the, the, the audio is recorded locally on both sides. And there's still video and there's some other features. Now, there was some competitors, but they were just doing audio only, like Squadcast and Zencaster. Now they're starting to do video, but there's, it's problematic. And then I, using the Amazon approach, I scaled and made more and more and more features. So I haven't released it yet, but, uh, but, but going to release soon. But here's the, to answer your question, I asked several friends of mine who were programmers, and most people on this, listening to this, have at least one or two friends who are computer programmers or have some LinkedIn connections or Facebook friends that are computer programmers. And so I asked my friends who were the best programmers and I didn't, I said, I didn't say to them, Hey, can you help me? Can you do that? Can you execute on this for me? I said, do you know anybody? I trust your advice. Can you advise me on someone who has some, who might be willing to do this? And they gave me, you know, these different people I asked gave me different choices and I spoke to many people and I, my, it was my connection of my connection that gave me the best possible choice. And so now there's one programmer, his name's Kelvin. There's one programmer and I are working together on creating this. And then, um, by the way, our son, John, or your son, my stepson, John, is a programmer. So he's been helping as well. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, you know, to be a personal LinkedIn, again, is a way to make money. Don't expect your connections to help you, but maybe your connections to connections. For instance, let's say I wanted to make, a, a food product. I had an idea for uh, a, a new kind of vegan fish and I have a recipe and I did the recipe in my kitchen. I, I, I had a party with all my friends and said, can you tell me if this is fish or not? And they couldn't figure it out, but they said it was excellent. And then I told them it's not fish, but it's tempeh with fish flavoring. I'm just making this up. And, and I packaged it as a burrito. Well, now what do I do? Well, if I sent out on my Facebook friends or LinkedIn connections, I would find one or two people in the food business. And I would probably talk to Bill Glazer, who has, who helps run a company called Outstanding Foods, where they make vegan 
snacks. And I actually called them the other day and asked them this. How do you make food that's commercial? And there are uh, commercially licensed factories and you give them the recipe. They can make it batch and they package it and everything. And then you upsell it to distributors. I mean, you, you, you mark it up for distributors and that's how you would make something like that. So to execute was actually the hard part was coming up with the idea. People say ideas are worth a dime dozen and execution is everything. But the hard part was actually coming up with the recipe. Maybe I'm making this up. I didn't really come up with a recipe for a vegan fish, but the hard part would be coming up with the recipe. And then Bill Glazer could have told me exactly how he did it with outstanding foods and introduced me to the factory. And then I just send a recipe to them. I get their prices and I find a distributor. I'll give you an example. This is actually a fascinating story from, I heard, I didn't even tell you this. I heard this just this week and often my, I have a friend who, and I gotta be careful what I say here. He's a really good guy, but for years, for the, for the entire, I've known him for 20, 25 years. He's been a day trader. He didn't really make money. He went broke. He gambles a little bit. Maybe he had some substance abuse issues. I don't want to call him out too much. And often his, his wife actually listens to these IG lives and he always was struggling with money and he was always a little bit scared. Well, about a year ago when the pandemic started, he figured, oh, okay, uh, I could sell these P PPE for the personal protection equipment, like mm -hmm. masks, gloves, surgical gowns. And he said, oh, that's going to be a hot area. And then he just, he randomly started calling hospitals. So he called me and he called a friend of mine and he said, Hey, do either of you guys know somebody at, you know, the Cleveland clinic or XYZ hospital? And we said, no. And he's like, okay, no problem. And he hung up the phone and he called other people. So my friend called a hundred people and said, do you know anybody who works at a hospital who can buy masks? And so, so, so lesson number one, he, he knew I didn't have anything to do with any hospitals, but he still felt comfortable calling me and asking me if I knew somebody, if I, if he had a friend of a friend, basically, who knew anybody who could make buying decisions at a major hospital. He called a hundred people. He ended up with phone numbers for seven hospitals and they said, sure, we'll buy PPE equipment. And he, so he knew people who were making the plastic gloves and the masks and they weren't anything special. And then he knew he had friends of friends who knew people at hospitals. And so he got some orders going and then he teamed up with some other people to make this a full company. The, the people at the hospitals joined forces with him and no kidding. This is a guy who's never made serious money in his life. Last week, he closed on a hundred million dollar deal where his portion after the profits is $19 million. Wow. So, so lesson number one, the friend of a friend of approach works. If you become a personal LinkedIn, you will make money. Lesson number two, a lot of people in his situation, including me, we, everybody knew last March and April that masks, gloves, gowns, equipment would be in need. But my thinking at that time was, well, who am I to supply gloves to a hospital? I don't know where the gloves are made and I don't know how to get in touch with a hospital. So it's like what people say about the internet. Oh, it's too late to start an internet company. I thought to myself, it's too late to start a PPE company. So my friend, he could have thought the same thing. It's too late to start a PPE company, but it doesn't hurt to just make some phone calls. It doesn't hurt to see, Hey, do you want to buy some plastic gloves? I know you're already buying it from, you know, Procter and Gamble, but maybe you could buy it from me a little cheaper. So it doesn't hurt to, to ask it's and, and but the big lesson there, lesson number two is, it's never too late. No matter what industry you're in, it is never too late to start a business in that industry. You don't know anything about AI and robotics and you want to start an AI and robotics company? No problem. Within a, within a few weeks, you could learn enough about AI robot and robotics to be in the top 1% of the field. Not the top 10, but the top 1%. And then if you have a product, don't even start a business unless you have a customer. That's an important that, lesson. Number three here. Don't even start a business unless you have a customer. You have to have a customer before you start a business. Too many people say, Oh, if you build it, they will come. That only worked in the movie field of dreams because God was involved. <laughs> if you build it, they will not come is the actual truth. So he got, he, he basically found a way to get plastic gloves and masks. He, he used it the late, the personal LinkedIn technique to um, find a bunch of hospitals 
And he also told himself, and he got a customer to agree to buy some, some gloves. And he also told himself, it's not too late for me to start this. And then he started scaling. Like then he got, he, he, he gave up equity in his company to people who owned hospital chains. He, he told me everybody in who's his partner is worth over a hundred million. He's worth zero, but because they're worth over a hundred million, for them to put together a hundred million dollar deal where they're each going to make between 10 and 20 million, it's not that big a deal for them. And they don't even care if this deal gets done. Of course he does. It's going to change his life. He's going to make it's the specific number. He's going to make $19.8 million next week because the deal's done. And, uh, so it's just an exciting, you met him once actually. He went to, came to my comedy event in Chicago, uh, right, right before the pandemic. So he was, he was so far from this. He was like scared to death about money and now yeah. done deal for him. Yeah. So, uh, so great. it's important lessons that execution, there's a spectrum of execution. There's hard execution and easy execution. Make your execution easy. Can you outsource to a factory? You don't have to make it yourself. Do you have a friend who has a friend who runs a hospital? Do I have a friend who has a friend who's a software engineer? Well, how am I going to distribute this once, once it's done? Okay. I have another friend of a friend who might be an influencer of some sort that is willing to get excited about this. Who knows? I'll figure it out when the time comes. So all of these things have lessons. And, and I, I think it's important too, you know, when I started my company, um, I did give, I mean, I kept 51% of it, but I did sell a 49% to other people that had other uh, abilities than, that I did. And it's worth giving your equity away to people that can add value uh, to your company. So I always say it's better to have, you know, 10% of something than, rather than 100% of nothing. Yeah, every bad know? investment decision so, I've ever made was when I heard about a great idea, what I thought was a great idea. And I looked around and I said, don't tell anybody about this. I'm going to, I'll buy a third of this company. And all of those deals failed. All those investments failed. Like you want to be able to sh you want to be, I mean, this is all uh, the other lesson in my friend's story, which you also just expressed is that you're going to be, it really is true. It's a cliche, but it really is true. You're the average of the five people you spend your time with. So for instance, if, if all of your friends are, are billionaires and you say, Hey, I have a business idea. They're all be like, great. Here's 10 million from each of us. Start your business. As opposed to if all of your friends are, you know, hanging out in a bar, they're, they're going to say, well, good luck with your idea. Can I have another drink? I was thinking about this when I was interviewing Mike Massimino, who was an astronaut who fixed the Hubble space te telescope in space. One time he, he was, he couldn't get into NASA. And he kept failing the NASA test. And so he decided to get a PhD at MIT instead. And he said, I'm not the smartest guy, but I got a PhD. I'm go I was going for a PhD on how to build robots that work on Mars. And he looked around the and then he was later thinking one of the classes he was in, nine out of the 10 people in the class ended up in space. And I, it made me think if he had, if he was at a bar, he wouldn't be able to say that. It would never be the case that nine out of the 10 people at this bar will end up in outer space. So, you, but he was at, you know, this class in MIT on building robots on Mars, nine out of 10 of those students got PhDs and ended up being astronauts. And so it's really true, constantly upgrade, not upgrade because your friends are not bad, but constantly, if you want to make money, be around good, honest people who know how to make money. If you want to be better at chess, hang out with good chess players. If you want to be better at cooking, hang out with good chefs and, 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 and do the plus minus equals technique I describe in my book where a plus is a virtual mentor or a real mentor. The equals are the people you're growing up with and striving with and you exchange ideas. That would be the equivalent of the guys and uh, the people who are in this guy's class and minus are people to teach. You can't, if you don't, if you can't explain something easily, then you don't really understand it. I learned lately, I've been using the skip the line techniques to get better than I ever was at chess. And already it, it took me a few months, but I would say right now I'm at the level I was in 1997, which was when I was at my peak. I lost a lot of abilities after that because I stopped playing, but now I'm probably where I was. And now my goal is to get much better. And the, the first thing I did was, I got my plus minus equals. I got a coach. Thank you to Eric Rosen, who's been coaching me in chess. 
I got a bunch of equals. I play a little bit every day and I got myself several minuses, although they think it's funny that they're called minuses, but I learned, I learned even more from teaching chess than being taught chess because I learn, I understand the basics at a nuanced level, even greater than I did before. It's really a fascinating process. And that's the first technique I use. Then I use the micro skills techniques and the experimental techniques and so on. And, uh, it's been great. But, um, so look, any, any about, questions? About the non-fungible tokens. Oh yeah. So non-fungible tokens. I do want to talk about it. That's worth an entire episode just by itself. So stay tuned next week and I'll do an entire episode just about, so non-fungible tokens are this way of using crypto with combined with selling art. It's like the idea sex between Bitcoin and art collection. And so I think it's fascinating. We're going to talk about that. And, uh, uh, oh, someone says do a masterclass on chess. Well, my good friend Gary Kasparov actually is doing a masterclass on chess. And, um, I was thinking of taking it actually, but you, maybe that's a good idea because I sort of see there's no, from the point of view of someone who's a beginner, this is a very important concept actually for business also. From the point of view of a consumer or the point of view of a beginner at a sport or a game or a science or, or business, you can't tell the difference between a, a product that's 10 or 20 or 50% better than another product. Like we all remember Betamax and VHS were two ways of storing video videos. Betamax was clearly better than VHS, but VHS won because nobody could tell the difference in the average person couldn't tell the difference in quality. No one could tell, no one who's a beginner can tell the difference in chess, for instance, between me and someone stronger than me, but I may or may not be a better teacher. And so with business, and here's, here's another example. And this is an example that happened with our daughter. And, uh, I think it's a really great example. So our daughter was like every kid is applying to colleges, you know, and also like every kid or many kids, she has good grades. She has good SAT scores. She's been in lots of clubs. She's a perfect student, but that's not good enough. It's not good enough to be 10% better than all the other students. It doesn't mean you're going to get into any colleges at all because nobody could tell, nobody could tell 10% better. Um, I want to keep track of this question. Gotcha. So no one can tell the difference between a student who's 10% better. Okay. This one's got better grades. This one maybe has better after school activities. So we decided, um, and she was on board with this. Let's take a year and do things that are not make her not just better, but the only it's better to be the only than the better. And so we just got back from a weekend of giving her, she, we signed her up for race car driving lessons. So we went to this race car driving school and she did a bunch of lessons and she got her, this is this over, second time. this is the second time. So it's like over a period of, of lessons and she got her race car driving license and she's participated in a professional race and with her money awards at the end of that race. No. All right. So it wasn't but, quite professional, but she could. Right, right, right. But she got second. So that's good. She got second in the race. And so now that's something, how many kids with, a minus averages or A averages with good SAT scores with the same clubs everyone else has. Oh, by the way, also she came in second in a, in her first real race. Uh, and she has a race car driving license. Always, instead of trying to be the better, be the only. And this is really the important lesson from skip the line. You don't need to be the best in the world to monetize something. You do need to have the basic skills. You knew you do need to be in the top 1% in the world by virtue of the fact that she has a race car driving license. She's in the top 1% of drivers in the world now, but, and she's also participated in an actual race and she'll do more. But by being the only, you stand out. When I was in high, now I don't even think kids should go to college, but that's another story. I also mm -hmm. am willing to say, I don't know, and I won't be firm about it. But when I was applying for college, I had horrible grades in high school. I was like number 163rd in my class. I was constantly, remember that. I was constantly <laughs> suspended. I, um, I, I didn't, I had okay SAT scores, not the best. I, I had good math, but not good verbal. I didn't have any after school activities. So here's what I did. I, I started playing chess actually, and I became New Jersey's 
high school chess champion. I was also New Jersey's junior chess champion. And I was one of the um, top ranked people in my age group in the country. And so instead of being trying to be a better student, I was the only person who, I mean, I was the best person in New Jersey applying for colleges. So, so I remember when I went for my college interview, one of my college interviews, the guy was actually, I had interrupted his studying of a game that I was familiar with. He was studying the match Bobby Fischer versus Mike Mark Timon of 1971. I happened to know the game very well. So instead of being, instead of talking about, oh, what classes do you like? Blah, blah, blah. I was able to help him out and almost give him a, my interviewer for college a mini chess lesson. The same thing happened when I applied to a job, when I applied to graduate school, when I applied, when I raised money for a hedge fund, when I sold a business. Things like chess or other areas where I excelled, where I was the only, really made me stand out. And that helped me a lot rather than, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's a grandmaster at chess or a master at chess. No one knows the difference. The, the other billion people don't know the difference. And so it's one's just as good as another, even though I know the grandmaster could be the master of me, you know, nine times out of 10, no one else knows that and doesn't even care. So this is, an, this is an important lesson and it's a practical lesson. Like our daughter is using this lesson, the idea of it's better to be the only than the better. She's using this idea to actually change her life and get into a better college and it's working. So we know it's working. We've seen this work. We know it's working. It's worked for me. It's worked for Robin. So don't think you have to go the straight and narrow path and just be better every step of the way. You have to be figure out how you can have your own unique voice and be the only. Now, there is a question uh, that I will get to, which is uh, the stock market's up 50% since a year ago today. I mean, a year ago today was the bottom of the stock market and it started zooming up. So we're celebrating the year anniversary of the stock market hitting bottom and then going straight up. It's up 50% in the past year. Is it going to continue? This is an important economics lesson right now. The answer is, I don't know, because that's the correct answer for everything you ask. But here's what's important to know. I'm going to use an example from poker. When you're playing poker, where should you sit at the table? I'll give you a second to think about it. When you're playing poker, there's 10 people. Where should you sit? You should sit immediately to the left of the worst poker player at the table. So the poker, poker the betting goes clockwise. So if you sit, let's say, let's say Robin who probably would be a good poker player, but she doesn't know how to play. Let's say Robin was the weakest player at the table. You're not the weakest player if I teach you, but okay. let's just say you were the weakest player at the table. If I sit to her left, every time she bets, I, I know she doesn't know if she's the weakest player. I know she doesn't really know how to um, bluff. I know she doesn't know how to calculate the odds of each hand. I know she's gonna make a lot of mistakes. So I my ideal scenario is for Robin and I to be the only ones left for every single hand. So she's gonna bet and I'm always gonna raise if I have any kind of hand at all. The person, um, uh, the D Castro is right next to the weak player. So um, every time she bets, I'm gonna raise, that will scare out all the other people who have to bet. So now she and I are left at the table. Well, I'll explain what this has to do with the stock market in a second. So what does that mean? It means she's gonna make more mistakes. Sometimes she's gonna have a great hand and win. I'm not always gonna take her money, but in general, Money flows clockwise. So the weak player will be isolated by the strong player. This is an important poker lesson. The weak player will be isolated by the strong player because I'll always raise her and re-raise her. Everyone, everybody will be scared. And so they'll all get out and we're left and I'm going to outplay her. And maybe four times out of seven, I'll win the hand. Not every time, but enough that I'm going to make good money. And when I sense she has a good hand, I'll get out. When I sense she's bluffing, I'll stay in. When I know I have good statistics, I'll stay in. I have more ways, I have more abilities to win a hand than she does. There's a luck component as well. I'll get out when I think she has a good hand, but in general, my skills will be greater. So, so money will flow from any money she has will flow to me. Now, oh, somebody's taking motorcycle lessons on the street here. So, so the money will flow from the weak players to the strong players, particularly if I'm right next to her. What does this have to do with the stock market? So in this, in the stock market, the weak player, the weakest player at the table is the US, is the average person in the US economy. The strongest player 
at the table is the stock market. So when to, right now, um, the Congress just passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package. And everyone's arguing, well, don't let it, don't bail out these people, don't bail out these people, don't bail out these people. It does not matter. Everybody being bailed out is just by definition the weakest players at the table. That's why they're being bailed out. Now, I'm not saying anything about their skill. It's just the metaphor. So the people, the $1.9 trillion is being handed to the weakest player at the poker table. The stock market is the strongest player at the poker table. So no matter where the money goes, the stock market's going to raise and raise and raise and isolate itself with the weakest player. The metaphor doesn't quite work uh, all the way, but trust that the, the larger the stimulus package, all of that money is going to be put eventually, not day one, not day two, not day three, but all that money is eventually going to be put into the stock market. So let's say uh, uh, the guy who owns the newspaper stand was bailed out and got a $1,400 check. That's great. Now he pays some bills. Now he buys flowers for his wife and he buys something at the deli. So now the flower store guy, he just got the newspaper guy's money. So the, the, the newspaper guy got a dollar. Now the flower guy got the same dollar from the newspaper guy. Now the flower guy takes that dollar, goes across the street to Starbucks, buys a coffee or one-tenth of a coffee, whatever a Starbucks coffee costs. And now Starbucks, the guy, the guy gets a tip. That guy has the dollar. Now that guy goes and he buys a McDonald's hamburger and, and whatever. So the money circulates around the economy and eventually the money ends up in a bank. The bank puts the money in an ETF or, or, you know, a stock market fund. And the money always ends up in the stock market, which is why there's a saying, don't fight the Fed. Now, you can argue, was the stimulus package good for the economy? Will there be inflation? Will there be deflation? I can tell you, so many people seem really convinced there's going to be inflation. There's going to be deflation. The economy is going to be ruined. The market's scheduled to sell off on April 30th. Uh, you know, there's all these people with opinions. But I can tell you, having spoken to them, the, the people at the Federal Reserve are some of the smartest people on the planet. They think there's deflation. But there are economists who are among the smartest people on the planet who think there's inflation. So the correct answer is, I don't know. <laughs> but one thing we all know is the, the stock market is, in this example, the strongest player at the poker table. The stock market will go up. Shitty companies will go higher because all this money is going to flow into the stock market. The st crypto is going to go up because all the money is going to flow into cr the crypto is the alternative to the stock market. And and. That's just a fact of money. That's why there's a saying, don't fight the Fed. That's why you always sit next to the to the left of the weakest player. So the more bailouts there are. And by the way, what happens if there's inflation? No problem. People don't realize this. The stock market is the best hedge against inflation, not gold, which is just a rock and can't be used for anything. But the stock market, because the, those are the stock market is shares and they're priced in dollars or they're priced in euros or they're priced in crypto. If the value of the dollar goes down, the stocks, the value of the stocks go up. So stock market is the hedge against inflation. And, and the st you think of the, about stimulus as a giant poker game. The more money in the long term will deal with inflation or deflation or whatever. But in the short term, which means six to 18 months, it's going to, the stock market is eventually going to win the poker game and get all the money from the weak players. The weak players are the ones being bailed out. So if you like this IG Live, first off, we're going to put this on YouTube. I hope Jay's here. We're going to put this on YouTube. We're going to also, um, oh, you know what? I forgot to record this. So it's not going to be in my live unless Jay can help me with that. And we're going to put this on YouTube. We're going to make a podcast out of this. So you can listen to this on the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't answer as many questions. I'll, I'll come up with a better way of communicating to answer questions next time. We just told some stories and some life lessons. Maybe they can send them to Jay. And, and Jay, also, uh, collect the questions so that next time we can just answer questions. Yeah. So, by the way, I'm going to, you know, Bitcoin is yeah, the new tulip mania. I'm going to talk about tulips because tulips are not as much a bubble as people think. And I'm going to give a lesson on what a, what's actually a bubble in the stock market and how do you avoid it. So Jay, um, can you put this video on my IG live and put it on YouTube and we'll make it into a podcast that we'll release in the next day or so. Um, we told some good stories. I think the important lesson 
for me, because I just heard this story yesterday, is that it's never too late to start a business in an area you're totally unqualified to do. Another important lesson is better to be the only than the better. And another lesson is if you want to execute, it's your friends to, of your friends that are the best places to go to execute on any idea. Um, thanks so much, Lisa. I always enjoy when you're on here. Thanks so much to everybody else for joining us. If you like this IG live, maybe comment somewhere on Twitter or, or so, or review it on the, on the podcast, on Apple sure. podcast, because that really helps me to know, to keep doing this. Thanks a lot, Max. And Max, I hope you're getting better from COVID. I meant to respond to you. I'm sorry. I didn't respond, but I hope you're getting, feeling better. And, um, um, comment on, on Apple, uh, podcast, cause that helps us a lot and share this with your friends. If you think there's a lesson in here that's useful for them. And in general, I like to know that, you know, we stopped doing these IG lives for a while and we really miss them and we really miss talking to people. I know Robin did and, and I did, and we miss doing this together. This is, this is good for us. So if you like this, let us know so that we'll keep doing it. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.